Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Rise and Grind in the Morning. I'm 72, the architect, and today we're going to talk about Fool's Rush In. What does that exactly mean? Well, Fool's Rush In is all about discussing the concept of fear and how fear is a driving reaction and force in your daily life throughout various situations. So stay tuned in just a minute, and we're going to talk all about it. everybody how y'all doing this morning it's monday what is it november 14th that's right halfway through the month already and it's really early for me 3 30 usually i start at 6 a.m pacific standard time which is about 9 a.m eastern but i wanted to get an early day or early start out of today and i do have a lot of things to accomplish but i wanted to make sure that consistency of this video is really going to reach all my listeners and subscribers and if you have not subscribed to uh rise and grind and 72 the architect make sure that you give a chance ring that subscribe button and you can hear me live here on youtube a clubhouse uh facebook twitch twitter spaces and a few other things so we're going to talk, talk exactly about fear and why do i want to talk about fear today um so i had to kind of take a little bit of a dip in certain things in my life. And I was just finding that there was just too many things that are just like so much noise. And like, I'm hearing recession, I'm hearing uh, the markets are failing, uh, watch and how to conserve. I, I, it's like over and over and over. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is the way how to distract people. And I find that very interesting because all this is coming from the top. It's not coming from the bottom. Now, where people start talking about things in the bottom is like the after effect, the residual. So someone in leadership is saying that, hey, our resources, someone dictates prices or dictates that people's emotions and values are doing exactly what, you know, or when the economy is doing well, the news reports, hey, the economy is doing well. They'll say that, uh, the recession is over. They'll say that unemployment is at an all-time low, like 5%. They'll use measurements, statistics, all these great things. And that's what we're here to really discuss. But before we do, I want to discuss just a little bit and do a little bit of reading out of the Daily Stoic. And you can purchase this uh, readily. I am not paid. I'm not sponsored by Ryan Holiday or the Daily Stoic. So this is just uh, something I add into my shows and to give you perspective. So today is titled for November 14th. It's titled, You Choose the Outcome. And I feel that's really an appropriate talk uh, or topic just in itself. So it says, he was sent to prison but the observation, he has suffered evil, and in addition to coming from you. Epictetus Discourse 3.8, 5b through 6a. Now, Ryan goes on to describe the situation. He says, this is a classic Stoic thinking. As you gathered by now, an event itself is objective. How we describe it, and then that is what unfair, or is it great calamity? or is it that they did did it on purpose, is on us. Malcolm X, the Malcolm, then Malcolm Little, went into prison and a criminal, but he left out an educated, religious, and motivated man 
who would help the struggle of civil rights. Did he suffer an evil or did he choose to make his experience a positive one? Acceptance is, isn't passive. It's the first step in the active process towards self-improvement. Whoa. Now that's a very, very impressive question, I have to say. And I definitely will say that it, it, it poses a question. Will I add negative thoughts on top of my troubles? And I think that's very appropriate, especially for today. Now, I am, I am, I'm just going to be really clear, ladies and gentlemen. I am really fed up, honestly. I'm really fed up with the talk of fear. I've, I've lived in fear most of my life. Um, fear motivated me to do a lot of different things, make a lot of choices that I, I wasn't ready for. It really developed from early on to my earliest memories from my mom saying, we don't have enough food to eat in the house. You better eat at school or make your shoes last. Don't ruin them. I can't afford. And so these things that my, my, my mom would tell me and, and no disrespect to my mom because my mom is a great person, but my mom was only reacting to the situations at hand. And when I was growing up in the seventies, eighties and nineties, when I finished high school, you know, going through the seventies was a difficult time because my parents split up, but it was because of the resources. And I slightly remember the gas lines. I remember, um, at a time where I felt like we'd sit in a gas station line and it would sometimes it'd be for an hour. I don't know. It was, sometimes my mom would get us like really, really early just to go get gas for the day. And I remember driving this old gray primer beat up Ford van. It looked like a car. It would basically was a cargo van. And this is how we didn't, it, we had, it had two seats in the front and everything else was in the back. Like my mom tried to put carpet and things so that we could just sit back there. And that was at a time where seatbelts and seatbelt laws were not so enforced, but they were there. So anyhow, going back to those days, my mom, you know, just recently getting divorced, splitting up, we faced reality of fear every day from, I can remember times where we were told, you know, not, not being able to eat much, um, you know, the lights being turned out and I started learning things about bad checks. So you had to learn how to really drive yourself through fear and just survive. And when I'm, I'm thinking about this, it, it developed a mindset, a poor mindset that I wouldn't learn until later in life that I was like, hey, this is toxic. And I really had to figure out from an early age, you know, my mom would say, hey, you're the man of the house. Your dad's not here. And I didn't know what that meant. Honestly, I really didn't know what that meant. But the more that I look back at things, it started shaping part of my character. And so like when it came to food or things, or if I come into extra, I would explode and just eat it all up. Now, warp speed it to our topic today. We are fed so much information on a daily basis that it's overwhelming. If you don't have a device, if you don't have a device like a cell phone, you don't have a, a tablet, you're one of the rare few. If you're off the grid, you're one of the rare few. 
But if you're hearing this podcast, you've had to get that. Exactly. And if you're watching me on YouTube, you'd have to get that, those things. And with these devices, we have all the access points that a person really could never imagine. I could have never imagined all the things that, that I'm into now. And when I look at all this, and when I look at the possibilities of what we have, it also comes with dangers. It takes in considerations. And fear is definitely a tool. Now, what is fear exactly? Now, according to Google, fear says, let's see, let me look real quick. Fear says it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or threat. Now, that's the noun version, but it also is a verb. Be afraid someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. Now, that right there says a lot, in my opinion. These things talking exactly about fear, you know, mean that you were, I, like I was kind of saying, the, the belief system that the recession for, as an example, let's talk about that. These people on the height, these projectors, people talking about the people with wealth are saying they're holding on, like, I believe it was, um, Patrick Beck David, and he was being interviewed on Think Media, and he was talking about how Warren Buffett is holding on to money, like $100 billion or whatever, sitting on it. And I was like, why are you talking about another man's holdings and what he's doing? I don't hear that man. Warren Buffett, if you want to know anything about him, he doesn't really go on to too much media. When he speaks, it's like, hey, it's out of resistance, resilience. And this man is like 80 years old, I believe, or older. And what I've learned about the, the wealthy, and I'm not, I'm not extremely wealthy, I'm developing wealth. What I've learned about wealthy is they don't talk about money so easy. But there's other people who talk about them, who talk about their methods of what they're doing. And these peddlers, and that's what I call them, peddlers of misfortune cause this momentum you better conserve watch what you eat um things that should have been in consideration all along i don't know how we got along away from certain things about conservancy um like for example having a pantry storing up food food for the winter you know understanding your profits and your holdings your harvest for a winter and summer and spring enjoying the now having your resources in place but see, fear in the modern day of technology, it's, it's a crusher. People have developed anxiety. They've developed um, many different mental conditions. And we can't ignore that how those things come to be. So if I tell you the world is going to end or the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And I say that enough, even if you don't want to listen to it, it is now implanted in your mind. It is an awareness trigger. So whenever you hear that, it could be subliminal. It is literally a focus point where your mind starts to shift. Do I believe? Do I get curious? Why are they saying this? And why are they saying it to me? Now, eventually, it leads into the masses of the people. and leads into telling us exactly what's happening. Like, look at the current uh, grocery markets. Like, I went into the grocery store Friday and I bought 18 eggs cost me $7. And that blew me away. 
so was that evidence towards, is there a recession? Could be. Gas prices, something that every person in the world who drives a vehicle is well aware. Now, some places are way, way more expensive than others. I live in the state of California and gas is a very big part of the vitality of how I do business, how I conduct my daily life. I have to drive. Even my nearest grocery store is a mile away. When I conduct business, sometimes I have to drive a total of, oh, 150 miles away sometimes. I drive into the most rural places of California in heartland agriculture in the middle of nowhere, sometimes to meet with clients, sometimes to meet with an authority, an expert, no, what have you. But the point is, is that in order for me to conduct my work, even though I have technology, one of the oldest things in the world that is used for business is that eye-to-eye, person-to-person contact. Contact, And with that contact, I can have, I can listen to my client, I can listen to the authority, the expert, whatever it is, I can be there and engagement. Now, these devices, don't get me wrong, can ve- come in very handy. You can FaceTime, like I have an iPhone, and you can you can text, you can write an email, you can do lots of amazing things. And the good can also be turned into bad. So when it comes to the peddlers, as I call them, the peddlers of ill will, they are preaching the fear of what an outcome they want. So if I can get you scared enough, if I can get you afraid enough, you'll start reacting that way. And that's where being foolish is. Not thinking, getting your emotions, your blood pressure up, all those things. Getting all those things into an accelerated rate. And eventually, I get you scared enough. If people, if the the leaders that we have today, if they get you scared enough and they put it through the media, they put it through the news, they put it through your movies. If they get you scared enough, guess what? You start reacting without thinking. Your discernment is at a, a probably an all-time low. Your, your ability to be able to uh, reserve yourself is not so easy. And so getting back to the center of you and who you are is gonna be much, much more difficult than you can possibly imagine. It's an uphill battle instead of, you know what? I am good with the decisions I make. I will take time. I will be patient with information I will consider, but I will not just react, you know, incoherently. These are my mantras that I have to tell myself. Trust me, I have a lot of fears just like anybody else. I am not above above all that. But I had to realize what was causing this anxiety, these things to come out of me that don't work. And that was the amount of information that was coming into my ear. And what it was doing was, because the way I grew up, I grew up hard. I grew up around people that bullshit all the time. I grew up around hustlers. Even in the small town of Manteca, California, when I grew up, hey, guess what? I grew up around farmers and people moving from the San Francisco Bay Area into my town. I grew up with a mixture of people having a fight for my mindset and fight for my body and protection, even in school. I didn't have my mom. I was pretty much a latchkey kid. And and my mom worked two jobs and went to school at times. 
did whatever she could, but it grew like a hardness, a shell around me. And so I was always in survival mode. So when I started to learning about exactly understanding who I am and what I do, until I started learning really about that and really focusing on what really mattered, I'd rush into anything. I would spend money faster than you could blink. I'd buy toys. I'd buy gadgets. I'd buy all kinds of things, but I never learned the personal value of a person. I never learned about how relationships really should work, the dynamics of a family, what it, my place in life, what my profession should be, where my income, how I believe in about saving. All these are important things that are not taught as much. Now, there are families out there who have not lost their core values and who have not lost that, that part of themselves. But what I can tell you is that when it comes to educating yourself and let alone being in charge of your children, if I can tell you something about all that, it's not going to be from a teacher outside. It's going to start in the home. Now, a lot of you parents out there, single parents, you need a team. You really do need a team. You need community. You need the co-parent. If they can be in that, that child's life, then you need both of them. You need a, a tribe to raise a well-integrated person who can not just withstand, excuse my language, but the bullshit, but who also can be able to lead others and not making hasty decisions. So what are examples of hasty decisions? Like I said, the sky is falling. The recession is coming. It's here. How can you ignore the prices of goods and services? Like if it costs you, for example, um, I went to, I think it was Burger King not too long ago. Cost me $14 to get a burger, a fries, and a large drink. And there was always incremental um, upsizes. Remember in McDonald's history, they used to say, you know, would you like that to supersize that? It was like a gimmick. And then it got, there was a documentary that was called Supersize. And they really picked apart about McDonald's and how it, it was a ploy to make you fat, to make you expend excessively on small incremental increases. So if you look at the price of like the base model of whatever meal you go to in any fast food restaurant, the upsize based on quantity of what you see is not really an expensive thing. So if you go from say like six ounces of French fries to nine ounces, it could cost you where the meal would cost you say like $9, it goes up to $12, just like that. Now something, if you look at the size of a potato, a standard size potato, it can produce a whole, even more than what you would get. So the point is, is these little things that you never notice. Do you need the bigger size? Now, fear, because the recession is, is allegedly here. I'm not going to say that it is, and I'm not going to say that it isn't. Now that it's here, we can't ignore the price of goods and services. We, we, we are not. We are not in that position, but who's preaching it? It's easy to for a wealthy person or a wealthy company to say, you know what? As in 2020, when 
COVID-19 was in, in full effect that I believe it was like what May or May or June gas was the all time low, almost down to $2 where I live. I haven't seen $2 in years, Like, give it a year and a half. No, two years later, almost two years later, this year in June, the height of gas, I think the most expensive was $6.50 a gallon. $6.50. In some places on the coast, it was $8 to $9, even $10 in certain isolated areas. That's crazy, right? So you can't ignore these signs. These things are here right in front of your face. So what can we do? Now, according to spirituality and a lot of the spiritual gurus, there are things calling, they're talking about this thing called the great reset and I'm not ignoring it. And I've been learning about these things. You know, my girlfriend, my lady, she's been helping me try to understand in doses because yeah, too much of this stuff makes me scared. It doesn't, it does not set well. What is the great reset? Now, according to these spiritual leaders of the world, the world goes through a reset condition or apocalypse. Sometimes it's wiped out populations, sometimes civilizations, sometimes empires. And a part of the cosmic natural laws, they say they have to warn us, those that are in power, they have to warn us of what's coming, what they're doing to try to keep in control. If they don't, they know that this natural order this natural cosmos thing will come in and basically wipe them out. And sometimes we believe that that could be conspiracy theory. It could be like when people talk about like, for example, the Illuminati or whatever, the powers that be, I'm not going to discredit them. I'm not going to affirm and I'm not going to, I'm not going to discredit them at all, but it's consideration. Now, what are examples? People are starting to, as they say, wake up, starting asking more questions. I just saw over the weekend, the movie Black Panther, um, part two. And what was amazing about that movie, the movie kind of bored me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It was really long, but there were a lot of things to unpack in that. And there were warnings. I saw literally two cultures come together, you know, Mesoamerica and Africanos come together. Eventually, first the Sequal uh, or Numar, I think that's what they call him. He was an anti-hero, right? What is that? Anti-hero is not the hero. He's just like, hey, he's just self-preservation. He's not a good guy or bad guy. He's just in right in between, you know? And he had to go against the the family uh, or, and the people of, of Wakanda and, and the Black Panther. And so he was just trying to secure his people because according to the movie, in, in ancient Mesoamerica, the Mayas were invaded by the Aztecs, or not, not the Aztecs, but the conquistadors. And that's just a little bit of history. But the point is, is uh, without spoiling the movie, they, the two cultures end up coming into one or, or working together. They needed allies. They needed to secure people and help them. So the reset, from what I'm hearing, is basically saying that, you know what, instead of wiping everyone out, they're going to let people elevate. So how does that relate to Fool's Russian, you might be asking? 
Sounds like a long explanation, right? Well, what that basically says is it's basically telling us all that we have a choice of our consciousness. We have a choice right now, and it doesn't matter who's trying to be in charge, but they will use fear every means possible. Look at the, what are the hot topics today? If you go looked in the news right now, there will be a few certain names. Elon Musk, Kanye West. Those are just two names, right? Joe Biden. I, I'm not discrediting any of those individuals. There are more Donald Trump, you know, on and on and on. There are plenty of names coming across our attention. Now, some are seen as lunatics or eccentrics, crazy, old, you know, just delusionary people according to their beliefs. But see, I'm not here to debate those things. I'm not. And some are saying, look, you cannot control me no more. You cannot have the charge of me not one more day. I'm free of all that. And what I really liked, I was I forget, I was watching Ralph Smart on YouTube and he was talking about Kanye, for example, and he he literally, Kanye was being interviewed and he basically said, he said that um, Kanye is free and that there were sacrifices made for those successful people, right? And those were contracts and that Hollywood and all the ruling class, they agreed to those contracts, a devious, devilish contract. And a part of that, if they want to remain on top, then guess what? There will be things taken away from them. And sometimes it was family. But Kanye basically said in, his, in Ralph's video, when he was showing it, he was basically saying that no one has control of him. Now, Kanye right now is seen like in most people's eyes, this guy's crazy. Now he made some remarks. People are considered anti-Semitic. Am I am I saying it's anti-Semitic? I can't say that's not my that's not my place. But it does raise question. Am I I have plenty of colleagues and friends that are Jewish. And not once ever do I ever feel that they're trying to rule me. But at the same time, that doesn't mean the organization that are in charge of their their theology and peddling their ways is is gonna not trying to do that. So I'm not here to debate that. What I'm here to talk about is, is how that the forces that be now are being exposed and how fear itself is being peddled onto you and has been peddled onto you and get you constantly chasing the cheese, so to speak. Keeping having you chase after the food and the morsels, then you know what? As long as you have that and you have to keep doing that, you're distracted from being who you are, being the, enjoying the best of what your provisions already are, and never feeling like you have enough. Now, I, I I'm not I'm not going to disparage about this, but there ha recently I had to I had to get off Clubhouse like Friday. I was just like, whoa, wait a minute, I need to take a break here. This is just too much. I was I was starting to listen to people that were talking about things that it triggered me and I was like, wait, I need a break. And the only reason why I came back on Clubhouse today is because Mondays and Wednesdays, I agreed to make my material on a consistent basis here. Now, as soon as it's over with, I'm going to take the, the app off my phone again until Wednesday, until I come back and produce. And then I will be back on 
just Mondays and Wednesdays. I do not want to be, I, I, I just at this time, I, I'm, I'm just not wanting to be there. I want to focus on the human being of who Jason is. 72, the architect. I want to focus on my family. I want to focus on, um, you know, what's going to make my business grow? What's going to make me stronger? So that when tough times come my way, I can handle it. I don't want to be screaming, oh, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. No, I'm not Chicken Little. Sorry. I'm more like the big bad wolf sometimes. I've got to pack the lead. And when you're when you're really concerned more about yourself and your holdings, you're not so easy to lend away your attention. That's really the quality of, of what happens. When foolish people rush into situations, it's because they did not and they were not prepared for hard times. I, I have been prepared my whole life in fear. And now I'm walking in confidence. I'm working in peace. Working in calm, being collective, making a difference. Knowing what I'm going to do is going to be not only the best for me, but the people around me. Now, I hear this peddling of, you know, be mindful of the people that you surround yourself. Yes, absolutely, 100%. I agree about that. But what I will encourage even more is you to think of what you do with those people. See, you can be around successful people and you can be one of their minions, one of their followers. You support their causes, but are they supporting yours? That's self-reflection. Exchanges, contributions, all that good stuff. So... When you think about today, Monday, November 14th, what I want you really to encourage you to start thinking about and doing is the best things for you. Taking patience, letting go of fear, letting go of your hurt. Like after I get off this podcast, I'm gonna go to the gym. I agreed to be a part of a fitness challenge. You know, I, 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 my accountability is 30 minutes a day, every single day from November 1st to December 24th. What is it doing? Guess what? I'm more conscious, becoming more level-headed, not letting anxiety rule my actions, not letting fear debilitate me in which decision should I make or laying in bed, scared. No, I'm not doing that no more. Learning how to conserve my money so that when I can have a have better things in my life, I know how to handle them and not just be always in somebody's pocket. And that's how debt works. You know, there's there's real ladies and gentlemen. Let me let me share this shed something. So the guy that wrote um Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he will tell you, and so many others will tell you that debt is wealth. Mind-blowing. I understand why they're trying to explain it that way because they say, hey, on debt, you don't pay taxes, right? But money you earn, you do. Every time you, you have more, you're going to pay more taxes. Even in politics today, what are the Democrats preaching to all people? The wealthy need to pay their fair share. They get too many tax breaks. But guess what? So do you. They're just smarter at it 
They read, they pay people very well qualified exactly to get them to pay less taxes. Now, my question to that is, is like, why would you, if you're preaching to people that you need to reduce tax or you need to tax the wealthy and how they're taking advantage and the corporations doing this, this is coming from the top. This is leadership, right? These are people already in place. If it's already there, I ask every single politician, I would ask you, why don't you don't donate 100% of your income to your constituents? President Joe Biden, if he really wanted to, he could donate all his earnings as a president right now. He's already a wealthy man before he became president. Can't ignore that. Also could say the same thing as former uh, former President Donald Trump. Could say that to him. Same with Barack Obama and, and any of their president's life. Same with uh, congressmen, senators, city council. Donate 100% of your income while you're in office or as you earned in office to your constituents, to your, you know, to the people that have are less fortunate. If there's so much about the people as we just had midterm elections, then why don't they do that? Hmm? It's not so easy, is it? It's not so easy to donate money that you wanted a position in leadership and now all of a sudden it'd be inconvenient. So then when you hear the Republicans who want tax reform, no reason why I'm talking about politics is because this is these these two forces in in the American politics, the only two majority level of parties are battling. One says, "Hey, less taxes, more responsibility on people, and less government." And one says, "Hey, we need government regulation on you shysters, people that are taking advantage of people." Right? Of course they are. They allow foreign investors to come in, buy properties that violate the constitution. Honestly, they, it does. It's, it's right there. You can find it. It's right in front of your face. Like you're not supposed to own property and live property in the United States and then take your primary residence in another country. You're not supposed to do that. You know, at least to my recollection, same with radio stations, uh, as well as television companies, but yet corporations incorporated, they do that. Look at all the major companies now today. They all do that. And their shareholders, their board of directors, they make a lot of money on your attention. So what can we do, Jason? So to really bring this up, I'm going to do a part two on Wednesdays. Um, I believe it's 6 a.m. And I want you to go forward and start to think about what are ways that you can re, re, reel back your attention? What are ways that you can start thinking about how you personally are going to affect your children and your colleagues being with a smile on your face, not a worry, you work, whether you have your own business or not, where you're working for somebody, doing your best and encouraging the best quality work and what you do. Guess what? All those pillars of recession start seeing trends in the market. Company value goes up. Personal brand goes up. People want to invest in where they see good people work, where they know they're going to get the best bang for their buck, not just the cheapest. 
Like me, it's not about the name brands that I buy. It's about the brands that can stand. That's my my stamp on that. Going forward, that's what I can tell you. Anyhow, I'm going to bring this show to a close. So if you'd like to uh, check me out on YouTube or Clubhouse, you can do that. But I would love to encourage you to check out my Clubhouse or my YouTube, my Facebook, my Twitch, my Twitter spaces. Help me subscribe. And I'd like to see the show grow. Talk about it. Leave some comments, especially, you know, I would love to see your feedback in YouTube. Bring up discussions. What, you know, between now and Wednesday, what would you like to see? What would you like to talk about? Anything you want to know about Fool's Rush In, bring it up. Anyhow, that's pretty much all I have. I'm going to leave a bonus conversation for on Clubhouse. So if you want to join me, you know, for those live listeners, you want to join me in Clubhouse, stop on by and we'll have a talk about it. And we'll uh, see you next Wednesday. So um, I hope you all have a great day. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you.